You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers. As always, my name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the Westside Community News, and today, jam-packed show for the middle of the preseason because one a big moment in the basketball universe is going on involving two insanely talented draft prospects and the Pacers hey uh, might just happen to have a high draft pick next year I want to talk about this moment the two players what it could mean for the Pacers as the season develops and Victor Wembanyama and Scoot Henderson plus the NBA GM survey came out this week one of my favorite projects the NBA does every year with John Schumann and the NBA uh, surveys all 30 GMs on 50 questions. A lot of them are about the best player, the best team, the best young cores, but some of them get a little more nitty-gritty than that and involve the Pacers. So we'll talk about the Pacer involvement and where I think they should have been more involved. And at the end, we'll talk about the Knicks because the Pacers play the Knicks twice in the next five days as their preseason goes on. I think it's cool they play the same team two times in a row. We'll help to see how they can film develop from one game to another. But I want to talk about a big, giant thing going on in the basketball world right now. I guess it is over now because it's Friday at the earliest if you're listening. And I highly encourage you to first listen to Lockdown Jazz with David Locke, who founded this podcast network and is the radio voice of the Utah Jazz because I think he nailed it talking about what's going on. Uh, the Metropolitans 92 took on the G League Ignite twice this week. If you haven't heard of either of those teams, that would not stun me. If you will soon be hearing about those teams very often. Uh, the reason those two teams played a basketball game this week and then played another one two days later is because on one of those teams is Victor Wembanyama and a couple other guys who are potentially NBA-level players, Hugo Basson, Sissoku, um, Sissoko, excuse me, uh, on one side, and the other side is the G League Ignite, the new G League program team designed for developing players to prep them for the NBA. Jalen Green went this route. He is now playing very well for the Rockets. Jonathan Gomingo went this route. He's on the Warriors, right? You've probably heard of that team more so than the French team Victor Wembanyama plays on. Why did those two teams play? Why does it matter for the Pacers? Well, Wembanyama is maybe the best prospect since LeBron, one of the freakiest prospects ever. Scoot Henderson in most drafts would be the top pick. Uh, probably not Wembanyama's draft, but uh, they're playing against each other in a massive moment of, in, in NBA history and in basketball history because neither of these teams are college teams. And David Locke called it a seminal moment. And I've seen this comparison a lot. And the reason it's a seminal moment comparatively is, remember, I was not alive. So some of you hopefully can remember when Larry Bird played Magic Johnson, right? When they were in college, when Larry Bird, I ah, uh, geez, Larry Bird was a junior, I think. Uh, and Magic Johnson was a sophomore, Michigan State versus Indiana State. You know, it was a huge game. Those two guys were hugely hyped prospects, and the NBA had not yet taken off, although it was close to. And those two guys were a big part of why it took off. It was a huge thing. And this is, I've seen this equation from David Locke, from John Hollinger, from a, a couple other people. This is a new generation's sort of that game. It's harder for the NCAA to sort of capture that magic in this time now with one and dones with guys not being just this freakishly talented you know less development programs make it that this is not as possible in fact gonzaga played duke last year paolo and chet played last year it was a big game it was massively popular college basketball is not a failing business and it was still not even close to what we're seeing right now right you know like i remember that game happened in november last year but i 
you know, I don't remember much about it. I will probably never forget these games. And that's due to the talent of Wenbanyama and Scoot Henderson. They were ridiculously good in a way that was just unbelievable. Like last year's top two picks played against each other, hardly remembered. This year's, I will never forget it. And I think the G League Ignite, you know, makes this possible. And it's sort of an intertwined thing, as Locke says to David. If you're listening, I'm copying a lot of what you're saying because I thought it was perfect with basketball now. I think this will be, you know, this is going to increase the popularity of the G League Ignite because if the point of the process is to set these guys up to play against G League and NBA competition, right? John Jenkins, who's played in the NBA for a couple of years, is on that team, for example, coached by ex-NBA coaches. You know, if it's if you're getting eyes on the team, because they're playing against Wembenyama, because or because Scoot Henderson's your teammate, or whatever the situation is, that's huge. Other players on the team will inadvertently get more juice because of that team. So the Ignite is kind of changing the way basketball is, and then Wembenyama is changing the way that you have to view the draft. And this is where the Pacers get tied into this because if you watch these games, I have I, it's hard to explain Victor Wembenyama to you. He is seven foot three, some say seven foot four, and he can dribble and he can shoot threes off the bounce and he can pass it a little bit and he grabs every rebound and he had a trillion blocks in these games. You know, he gets back cut, doesn't matter. Pass gets to another guy, he blocks it, doesn't matter, right? Like it was insane. He shot nine of 18 on threes. I think he had nine blocks in two games. He had 73 points, right? Like it, it was one of the most impressive basketball performances I've ever seen. He did it twice, two games in a row. Henderson was unbelievable in the first game. Scoot is is also really good, really good. It's a shame that he got so overshadowed. He had 28 and nine in the first game. Nasty step back over Victor Wembanyama. Looks so shifty with the ball. His handle's already unbelievable. He's only 18. Like seeing his birthday of 2004 just blew my mind. Um, and yet, He's not going to go number one because Wembenyama is just better, right? Like he's just they're ridiculous. These guys are crazy good. And this game was so, both of them were to close games, super fun, like high level basketball. And part of the reason I can tell they're going to be huge moments is I follow and talk to a lot of people who cover the NBA and love the NBA. And it's kind of like draft scouting, but mostly like getting into, you know, the college game when they can fit it in. And preseason NBA stuff was going on Monday. A lot of them, the Suns were playing, the Lakers were playing, or excuse me, Tuesday. And everybody, everybody that I normally talk to was watching this game, the Metropolitans 92 versus the Ignite. Because these two prospects are that good, I guarantee you the Pacers had several scouts in that gym, and I guarantee that they care about these players a lot. I bet they have guys go to France all year. I bet they watch the Ignite. The Ignite will play the Fort Wayne Badlands twice this year. These two prospects just played two games that are kind of changed the landscape of basketball. The amount of eyes on this game, the setup of this game, the televised nature of this game, the amount of hype it got, I don't think that in popularity the Ignite or obviously Metropolitan 92 will ever catch college basketball. College basketball is its own thing. It's killer. It's super popular. This is not to diminish college basketball, but as this path to pro for other places keeps popping up, you know, the NBA just recently talked about get, dropping the age again. So it's easier for high schoolers to get to the pro. These two guys specifically were nasty and just dueled in a way that they will be forever intertwined together now. Yeah, college might be more popular, but from an NBA and scouting perspective, David Lockdown, I think this was a seminal moment in basketball. This could be a game that you look back on as one intertwining two potential legends of the game. I'm getting way ahead of myself. These guys are so young. They've never been drafted. I'm obviously getting ahead of myself, but the popularity of this game and the talent of these two prospects, I'm talking about them in the preseason of the NBA, right? <laughs> Normally I don't get into scouting until way later. 
was just massive. And they were both nasty players. Like the highlights are ridiculous. When Benyama's hitting Dirk fadeaway, Scoot Henderson's just cooking by everybody. Like it, it, it was amazing. And so, uh, you know, David, the guy I keep citing here, David Locke called it maybe one of the 20 most important games ever. Uh, I would not go that far myself, but I understand why, right? Looking back at how important Magic versus Bird was, you know, maybe it does get there. So again, I'm sure the Pacers had someone there uh, and I highly recommend watching these guys. Now, uh, caveats abound. Even if you finish with the worst record in the NBA, you only have a 27% chance at landing in the top two in the draft, right? The new lottery odds mean it's just going to be luck, whoever gets these guys. It just is. So, yes, the Pacers project to be one of the worst five teams in the league based on every sports book or most people's thoughts about this team and the league, whatever. They look like they're going to be one of the worst five teams. And the worst three teams all have the same odds and all this stuff. It's just going to be luck. Whoever gets these guys compared to these bad teams, it's just going to be luck. But you've got to watch them, right? Scoot Henderson would go number one in, in several drafts of the last decade. Victor Wembanyama has a chance to be one of the best players ever. Like, like the, again... Let's just talk about this first game, just, just to sum it up. Seven threes, five blocks in the same game. Like, the, the, the NBA group who's done that is not very large in a single game. And it wasn't an NBA game, but still, it is crazy what those guys did. It's crazy how talented this next draft can be. And the Pacers might have nailed the timing to start going through a rebuild. And if they get one of those guys, I think their rebuild will... Uh, go a little bit faster. So a huge moment is going on in the basketball landscape. It's now over. But if you missed it, I highly recommend trying to find a way to watch highlights because those two dudes balled out and getting familiar with them and getting hope <laughs> if you're a fan and you want to see the Pacers maybe win a championship someday. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd find a way to watch those guys. So there's my uh, overhyping of the coming draft class. There's other amazing players. Dariq Whitehead, the two Thompson brothers in the overtime elite, all awesome. This is a stacked draft class. So if you even if the Pacers don't get one of these guys, and again, maybe someone surpasses these guys. Um, it's not like the end of the world, but just this moment, the amount of people watching this game and how talented they look at their age, it's a pretty unbelievable week in the basketball world as a scouting perspective. Let's talk about the Pacers specifically instead of two prospects, but I just really wanted to talk about them in the context of the league and of the Pacers. Hey, the NBA GM survey, one of my favorite things that comes out every offseason is here uh, the NBA surveys, all 30 general managers, 50 questions, tons of topics. What rule changes do you like? Who's going to win the championship? Who's the best player? And the Pacers get some love in these every year, and there's some snubbery as usual. I want to break it all down before we do that, though. Let me talk to you guys about BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. You can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, in-depth articles, and analysis, and more on every game you can find, including the right now ongoing Colts-Broncos game. As always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information. Live betting on that game, up to the minute scores for every sport out there and lines up for every week. If you're interested, my Hoosiers, my lovely Hoosiers who got beat by Nebraska last weekend, their lines up against Michigan this week. They host the Wolverines. Uh, the Michigan is favored by 22 and a half. We'll ignore that part. But hey, you can get that line over at betonline.net, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf, and very soon the NBA. Head over to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more because BetOnline is where the game starts. Thank you, as always. For making Lockdown Pacers your first listen today and every single day, how about for your second listen, hopping on over to Lockdown Heat. Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero, Ballin, Tyler Hero just got a big extension. 
They'll have it all for you over at Lockdown Heat. Wes Goldberg and David Rommel do a great job. All right, let's go. Pacers. More Pacers-y than the big moment in the basketball world of Victor versus Scoot. NBA GM survey. One of my favorite projects. John Truman puts it out. The NBA puts it right on their website every year. They survey all 30 GMs or 30 GMs. I don't know which 30, I suppose, but um, and ask them a ton of questions. You know, who's the favorite for the title? They picked the Bucks. Uh, they rank every team in each conference or the top teams in each conference. Last year, they voted the Pacers seventh. They do make mistakes. We all make mistakes. Uh, but it's super fun to see how GMs view the players, how GMs view the Pacers specifically, and what stuff the Pacers can kind of learn from it in terms of what they can work on. MVP favorite from the GMs is Luka Doncic. That surprised me. I thought Giannis or Embiid would be the winner there, but that doesn't matter. Let's first go through what the Pacers did get mentioned in, and then we'll go through uh, what I think they should have got mentioned in, or what I'm surprised to see they did did not get mentioned in. Excuse me. Uh, first up, first thing. Player most likely to have a breakout season in 2022-23. The winner is Evan Mobley. Uh, okay. I was surprised by that. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton was in the also receiving votes category. Uh, wow. So I, I I thought he'd be higher on this. This question's in every year. I thought Halliburton would be in the top four on this. The top four were Evan Mobley, Kate Cunningham, Anthony Edwards, Zion Williamson. If Zion has a good season, is that a breakout year? He was an all-star already in his career. I thought Halliburton would get more love here. You know, Anthony Davis and Rudy Gobert got votes. Like, how is that a breakout season? Anyway, Halliburton deserves votes. Most sports books have him in the top two or three most likely winners of the Most Improved Player Award, which seems like by default a breakout season if you improve more than anybody else. Uh, but not surprised to see him here. I think he's totally deserving of a spot on this list. I was surprised he didn't get more votes. I suppose you could consider a guy like Jalen Smith for something like this, but not to the extent of everyone else in here like Tyrese Maxey, Franz Wagner, and Freddie Simons. You know, I don't think Jalen Smith deserved votes, but I sniffed around and thought, mm, I wonder if he made it on there. So I think my gripe here is the Hal Burton's not higher, but I'm glad he's listed at all. I would have voted for him over everybody except for Anthony Edwards, myself, I'm not a GM. I was not pulled into questions, obviously. That is the only Tyrese Halliburton mention in the GM survey. The next two Pacers mentions both Benedict Matherin. And it would appear that a GM in this league is very high, very high on Benedict Matherin. Uh, the first question Matherin pops up in is, which rookie will be the best player in five years? He gets the all, uh, also receiving votes category, so not one of the top four vote getters, but still... Benedict Matherin gets a vote for best player in five years. This is basically just inverse order of the top of the draft. Top five picks were the guys who got the most votes. And then Dyson Daniels and Benedict Matherin also received votes. So one GM thinks he could be the best player. I think that's fascinating. Uh, but let me stop you and pause and say five years ago, GMs voted on this question and their answer was Josh Jackson, who is not the best player from the 2017 NBA draft. So yes, GMs can mess this stuff up, but Matherin did get a vote, which I think is interesting. And the reason I say that someone is high on him, I believe that answer of him being the best player in five years goes hand in hand with the next thing he appears on, which rookie was the biggest steal at where he was selected in the draft. The only pacer listed, not Andrew Nembard, not Kendall Brown, who slipped, Benedict Matherin. He got picked sixth. And he is called a steal. Keegan Murray got called a steal at four. Jaden Ivey got called a steal at five. Fascinating. So people are really high on them as well. Matherin gets a vote. He was picked sixth. To be called a steal at six means someone thinks you should go top three, top two. I don't know. So some GM out there is very high on Benedict Matherin. And he got votes in a way that, you know, I, I would have expected the top six usually all gets votes in the best player in five years kind of thing. Josh Jackson, who I just mentioned, was fourth. But I did not expect the biggest steal at his draft slot votes. <laughs> 
for Benedict Mather. But also last year's winner, Jalen Suggs. In retrospect, that does not look like the correct answer. So Benedict Matherin gets some love from GMs, which is, is fascinating and high praise for him so far uh, throughout camp from the Pacers. Who you know, He's got the right work ethic. People say he's got this it factor mentality. And of course, he had 15 points in his first game, only missed one two-point shot, got to the line, looking like a good player. Next up on our trip through the GM survey, let's skip two because they're about Rick Carlisle and go to one more player inclusion. The question, which player will make the best head coach someday, active player? Uh, the winner, Chris Paul, makes a ton of sense. Uh, the Pacer inclusion, TJ McConnell. TJ McConnell actually got more votes last year. He was in the top four, but he gets more votes again this year. I thought he might get some more, especially because he got coaching reps last year. For those who remember when he broke his wrist, he was at practice all the time working as like a dummy or a defender or something because he could help out that way. He couldn't really dribble, um, but he could move around and coach other point guards so one his dad's a coach his dad's been a coach for years and years uh in pennsylvania and two he has that coaching experience he's got the right mentality to do it is a beloved vet beloved vet awesome for this younger pacers team i think he'll be a great coach if he ever turns to that route in his career i thought he'd be higher on this list chris paul a very worthy top answer malcolm brogdon also got some votes which is interesting uh, i think he would be a good coach as well Underrated vote for me would be Draymond Green, but I understand why he is not a winner. So the other Pacer inclusions on this list are Rick Carlisle. No more players. Rick is going to carry us home. Which head coach makes the best in-game adjustments? Rick Carlisle gets some votes. I think Ty Lue should be the answer, and he was over half of the votes by GMs. Um, but good for good for Rick. Uh, that is something I think he's good at, both in terms of lineup sets, pace of game, stuff like that. And the other question he got answers for is, which coach runs the best offense? Pacers, despite having insane context last year to their team, making a bunch of trades, guys in and out, COVID hitting at the worst time, brutal schedule. You could go on and on. Their team fit horribly. They finished average. They had a league average offense. That's not good. But with the team that they had, that's pretty dang impressive. Carlisle also, of course, has a great history of being an offensive mastermind. So he deserved the praise that he got in that way. That's all the Pacers inclusions of the GM survey. Here are the areas, the three questions I think they missed a little bit on the Pacers, which one of them is about interior defenders. I don't think Miles Turner is the best interior defender in the NBA, and that's what the question is. Uh, but usually there's more than three guys who get votes. It was all Gobert, Giannis, and Draymond. I thought Miles might sneak in there. He did not. Uh, again, he's not better than any of those three guys. So I guess since he's not the best, he does not deserve votes. But uh, I'd imagine they were listed like in a one, two, three thing for voting. Miles Turner not listed at all. No votes there. Um, one guy who got votes in a category last year that's no longer the case is uh, assist, very to assistant coach. Who's the best assistant coach in the NBA? Lloyd Pierce got votes last year. He is now off the list. Uh, he was in charge of the Pacers defense last year and the, the Pacers defense was not very good last year but I still think he you know with head coaching experience and you know his role with USA basketball and stuff is a really good coach but you know not on the assistant coach list anymore I thought for sure he would be there that was the most surprising snub to me uh, of all this and then one I wanted to see if they got votes I don't know if I would call this a snub or not you can be the judge of that listener uh best young core which team has the most promising young core excuse me uh no votes for the Pacers the answers this year were Cavs first, totally deserved. Grizzlies second, also totally deserved. And then Pistons, Pelicans, Thunder, Magic. So if you think the Pacers have a better young core than any of those teams, 
take it up with the GMs. You could quibble maybe with like Orlando, I guess, maybe not. Um, actually, I like Orlando's quite a bit. I don't know, but I thought maybe they would sneak in there with you know the 2020 draft they've swept up, plus Duarte, plus Matherin, plus other rookies, but they're not quite there yet. Maybe if they get some of the guys we talked about in the first segment, they'll be there. Hey, Pacers play again very soon. Knicks on the docket twice in a row tonight at 7:30 in New York and then next Wednesday at home we'll talk about it more of course after the game happens and again next Wednesday before it does but let's talk about the Knicks and what challenges they present and what you can expect tonight and next week as the Pacers play the same team twice in a row in the preseason before we do that though let me tell you guys about Acre Pro Midwest Farm Group Haste to have an expert in your corner when it comes to land sales and Acre Pro Midwest Farm Group are exactly those experts and farmland specialists with decades of experience in Indiana agriculture. No one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange, expanding your operation, or selling a row crop farm, your local Acre Pro agent will lock the walk the land with you and ensure a deal is done right. Great service is just the beginning. Acre Pro provides unparalleled land data, including soil ratings, elevation, flood zones, land valuation across parcels, so that you can get the full picture up front and be confident in the entire land market. Your agent will cater to each of your individual needs and help you navigate the complexities of buying and selling land so the process is made simple. Experience the ease of Acre Pro by working with farmland specialists like Kyle Rule, Brady Hambid, Neil Hurt, and Kyle Spray, and visit AcrePro.com or call 765-587-3185 and talk to your local land expert today. Again, that's AcrePro.com and call 765-587-3185. Thank you, as always, for making Lockdown Pacers your first listen today and every single day. How about making Lockdown Knicks your second listen? Hear what they have to say about the New York Knicks and the Pacers and these games that are coming up for both teams. How about a perfect yin and yang for the Pacers to start off their preseason? And I love that for me as an evaluator coming into preseason. That's all I care about is evaluation in preseason. Pacers-Knicks, the complete opposite of Pacers-Hornets. The Hornets are... Well, at least under their old coaching. I, I suppose the Steve Clifford Hornets are still being painted and created and don't look very good. Um, but the Hornets that we know run in transition and are flashy and are definitely offensive-focused and are a good balance for a team looking for defense. And the Knicks are not that. <laughs> the Tom Thibodeau Knicks are fundamentals, overload the strong side, defensive specialty team perfect balance for the Pacers to kind of get a different paint, different, excuse me, different look at how they're painting their picture. Can they beat these teams that put more emphasis on defense? Can they beat a Tom Thibodeau team that defends a little differently than everybody else? It's just a different kind of game, much slower paced the way the Knicks play in a way that I think is good for the Pacers to evaluate what they're going against. So the Knicks, it's just totally different angles to evaluate for the Pacers. How do they do against a, a fast and flashy team? Well, the Hornets were totally out of their game and didn't care, but the Pacers destroyed them. Can they do the same against a slower team who's a little more defensive focused? So the first thing I think will be noteworthy to watch in these games, obviously LaMelo Ball is special, but outside of him, the Hornets ball handlers didn't aren't particularly talented and didn't do particularly well. The Knicks, now that they have uh, Jalen Brunson in the mix, the guys handling the ball is gonna be like RJ Barrett, Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, Derek Rose, Emmanuel Quickly, a lot more speed, a lot more finesse, a lot more ability among that crew in a way that I think we'll get a lot to learn a lot more about the Pacers' defense and their con connectivity. I'm tripping all over my words in this segment, but the Pacers did a great job against the Hornets 
staying on a string, staying with guys on the perimeter. You know, they got beat on drives. They they will. It's a young team. Um, but they, they did a good job in general of playing the scheme they wanted and not being an embarrassingly bad defense. They were fine against the Hornets. Can they do that again against a team with better, more experienced ball handlers, guys playing for a coach they played for last year in most of their case, so they know the sets better, they know the timing better, they know their teammates better, right? I think that there will be a different challenge to this ball handling group that the Knicks have in a way that will be a little more challenging for the Pacers, but also revealing in a way of what can they and can't they defend. And on the flip side of the ball, their defense is just gritty. You know, they've got better interior defenders, way better interior defenders. Mitchell Robinson versus Mason Plumley, different I, I undescribable differences. Isaiah Hartenstein even now for New York's a good interior defender, right? So it's just going to be way different for the Pacers against the Knicks, but a good test, right? They'll learn a lot about, okay, they are cut off on the inside. What's Tyree Talberton going to do with this new team? How's Matherin going to do? Because that's where he did well. Four of his five makes were inside three feet, and then he made a nine-foot floater, right? How can he adapt to score in different ways? Will he make some of the threes that he missed against the Hornets? Can he still get to the rim? You know, these will be good evaluation point kind of things. How can the Pacers in general break down the defense? Can McConnell still be threatening and find six assists if the defense is different and harder? You know, this is all going to be very fascinating to evaluate. Something else I think will be interesting uh, is better second unit for the Knicks, right? The Pacers second unit dominated, dominated the Hornets second unit. Wasn't even close. Cam Reddish, Obi Toppin, Derek Rose quickly, a little bit of Deuce McBride and Isaiah Hartenstein much better, much better group. We'll learn more about the Pacers' effectiveness of that second unit. Are they really as talented as they looked? Were the Hornets just asleep? It'll be a lot to learn there that I think. And I think a big, big takeaway for me, not that Julius Randle is just some ridiculously awesome coach, or excuse coach, uh, ridiculously awesome player, but he is talented and he's big and he's powerful and he's burlesque. That is something the Hornets don't really have. P.J. Washington kind of can be that sometimes, but not to the extent that Julius Randle is. And this will be the first test kind of player of, you know, they don't have anyone for this. So they could do use Sabonis credibly on this last year. I mean, who, what's gonna, how's this going to go <laughs> for the Pacers? They've always struggled with this player type, but what will they try? Will Jalen Smith get? I'm assuming Jalen Smith will start on him. That seems like, you know, it will be a tough matchup for him from a, strength perspective. Neesmith, who did well defending against Charlotte's too short. He's only 6'5". You know, can Duarte or Matherin do it? They're both also a little on the short side for a matchup like that. So maybe it's Terry Taylor who gets a lot of the work on Julius Randle. I don't know what makes the most sense for the Pacers to decide to put on him. You know, even O'Shea Brissett, it's a little too not powerful enough on the defensive end. So this will be a good test. This kind of player, there's a lot of them. Um, not all of them are as good as Julius Randle, even though he struggled last year. But there are a lot of them. And so figuring out how the Pacers try to guard that type of player, what they do when they can't figure out how to slow down that type of player, will be very telling for this Pacers team. So a lot of the stuff that makes the Knicks unique and makes their talent a little different than the Hornets is good because it'll give the Pacers more stuff to evaluate, different angles to look at for their team and stuff they can look at. And hey, guess what? They play the Knicks again next Wednesday. That seems like a minor thing, and it kind of is. Preseason games only have so much impact, but I think if you're Rick Carlisle, and they've been watching film after almost every practice, and he's really into the details with these younger guys about specific stuff they do on the court, and he's doing more teaching for a younger team and stuff about sets and all this, and, and being creative with lineups and all that, uh, all to tie it in though, they have the same opponent two games in a row, which is a good way to practice adjusting. It's a good way to see how guys respond to that adjustment so that they can figure out from game one to game two who did well at 
at being coached in that setting. What changes worked and didn't work? You know, how did we get advantages and lose advantages based on film sessions? I think that will be helpful for Rick Carlisle. I think that will be helpful for the whole coaching staff in general to know, okay, here's how we better use these film sessions. And it'll be helpful for the players to go, okay, this is what this is going to look like. A lot of new guys don't understand how they will watch film from a team they just played and then apply it to another game, right? This will be helpful for everyone in a way that I'm actually surprised there isn't a little more strategy from NBA teams to try to play the same team twice in the preseason, especially if you're a younger team, right? You can learn a lot from the film on how to adjust, how to grow, and it's a good opportunity for these young guys to, to soak that up and get it going, especially against a team like the Knicks that plays totally different than the other two <laughs> Hornets and Rockets preseason teams that the Pacers are playing. So good opportunity ahead for the Pacers Friday and next Wednesday. Looking forward to seeing how they play, how different they play than they did against Charlotte. Obviously, the biggest takeaway for all these games, hopefully no one gets hurt <laughs> ahead of the regular season. But, you know, continued success of Matherin and Neesmith. Can Halliburton and McConnell continue to run the offense? Does Turner still look good? All those same plot lines will be relevant from game two to one. But the things the Knicks do differently will make the takeaways different. And it makes the Pacers approach different. And I'm looking forward to all that. Because one, I've got to cover this team the best I can. And two... I'm really dorky in that way. Hey, hope everybody had a great week, and thank you for listening to all the episodes of Locked on Pacers this week. Next week is the final week, the final week of stuff before the regular season. Can you believe it? We're almost there. We're almost to Pacers basketball. I hope you guys are as excited as me. We'll be back Monday talking whatever happened in Pacers, Knicks, and some other topics I can decide to come up with. There's a lot I can talk about between some rookie extension stuff from... Uh, rookie options, if I want to do off-season stuff, if I want to talk about the games or players or something like that. There's just a lot, and so there will be something good coming your way on Monday. You won't want to miss it. Till then, everybody have a great weekend. I'll talk to you soon.